Wait, are we recording now or no? Yeah, we are. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. I didn't realize <laughs> that we were doing that. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Is that okay? Um, if that's not okay, I'll just. Uh, we we might want to delete the part about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll just put um, some jazz music over that part. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, there's like 15 minutes of jazz. Like, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you just put like your favorite song or music in there. What's what's your favorite music? We just put that over, over that part. You just you could just do me like singing over the top, like do 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 It's like weird. It was weird. Sarah just broke out into song in the middle of it. <laughs> I don't know what's going so on. So strange. <laughs> She's she's an odd bird. Welcome to the Non-Breaking Space Show. From Austin, Texas, I'm the Internet's Christopher Schmidt. And on today's show, I'm joined with returning guest, Sarah Drasner, author of Animating SVG from O'Reilly Media. Before we get started, some things I'd like you to know. Please make plans for CSS DevConf 2017. Grab a ticket and learn from Chris Coyer, Wes Boss, Nina Markham, Harry Roberts, and many, many more. This October in New Orleans, tickets are on sale at cssdevconf.com. The UX Design Newsletter is a weekly list of articles, tutorials, and inspiration handpicked by me. Sign up at uxdesignnewsletter.com and have the link showed up every week in your email box. Speaking of email, you can set it and forget it with a non-breaking space show newsletter. Whenever a new show is ready, you can have it notified in your email by signing up at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. The future is indeed now. You can find notes and links discussed in today's episode with Sarah at nonbreakingspace.tv. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Teleject, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. As always, thank you for telling others about Not Breaking Space. Now, on with the show. I was, I was actually on Stack Overflow's podcast yesterday, and I was in a silly mood. I just kept talking about, like, animating goats. I don't know how they <laughs> took that. So, <laughs> goats, and you animate them how? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was that, that game that was it was a goat game that was popular for a while. I'm not sure if it's still popular. Oh, yeah. The, like, um, where you get to be a goat that just, like, destroys everything. Yeah, like, it's like there's no, like, mission. You just like, destroy that's it's the best game. Yeah. I love that game. Goat Simulator. Oh yeah, Goat Simulator. That's right. Yeah, I think yeah, it made a sequel have, too. Yeah, I have that on my phone. I play it when I'm taking off and landing. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I, like, so I did do some research, and so like, so you've been like podcasting everywhere too. By the way, so so that's yeah. Pretty- I guess when pe- when you write a book, people want you to come on their shows or something. Yeah, I find that, um, and I'm actually picked this up like i've recently just gone to publishers and this is probably like i'll be p- playing music of me singing so no other podcasters get this idea ever no other talk <laughs> show ever that people like to talk more when they have something pr- to promote which is a totally new concept i think the talk shows haven't figured that out yet is that uh, when, like oh you have a new book out oh really okay. but, uh, uh i just happen to be here too like oh that's crazy <laughs> 
Like, and you have a new movie out? Crazy. I don't, it's like, <laughs> it's like we scheduled this at the right time. I don't understand. <laughs> but yeah, so Almost like, like uh, you have something that, that you want to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a, like, uh, it just makes things like, so, uh, so usually it's me like for, for this podcast is like, I like, it's usually just me. Like I have a question and I want to go ask this person who has, probably has the answer and let me go talk to them and see what they're up to. And, uh, and then I realized like, that was really kind of a long process, especially when you do everything for a show. And it's just like, well, they just wrote a book. They probably want to talk about it. Let's just, you know, let's stop reinventing the will here, Chris. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. But uh, let's, I do want to talk about your book, uh, you know, cause it's, I, I always, uh, and then the other, other part is like, yeah, we want to promote books, but it's also as someone who's written several wood design books and everything, everything like that, I just know it's a, what an accomplishment that is. And, uh, and the fact that you did it, uh, congratulations. I just been, and, Oh, thanks. Yeah. 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 I'm super excited about it because, uh, I spent like two years writing it. <laughs> um, so that was a while I probably spent actually, if you count the demos, like I wrote a lot of demos for the book, so <laughs> that's probably more like three or four years of work. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I'm excited about it, especially because, um, for me, like I get asked a lot of questions, the same questions over and over again yeah. about how to do something. So being able to put it all in one place that people can access is um, pretty exciting because it means that they can can actually have better material. Because most of the time those questions come through Twitter or something where I'm like, how do I explain the SVG DOM in 140 characters? <laughs> or, or should this be like a tweet storm? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, okay, view box. <laughs> chapter one <laughs> like, so uh yeah it seems like a better a better format <laughs> yeah it's, it's i think so because um you know i always the view box question is like i think i've asked you maybe it and and other people about the view box before and maybe uh it's just it's really good and i thought the the this the answer the breakdown was really good in this book and we should probably say what the title is just in case uh svg animations and spy by o'reilly so but uh, but I thought the SVG uh, the view box explanation was really good in the in the oh, end of the book. Yeah, so I was really happy with it because as someone like like we've done this SVG summit several times, and you know I was like it's like I'm relearning the view box ever over and over again. <laughs> I'm like how does that work? It's like and it's just uh, you know I don't deal with SVG every day like, like animations like you. So it's just it's always good to uh, and so I'm hoping with vibrating that I was like oh. It'll get stuck in my head better. I feel like I understand yeah. it better. So that's a pretty good example. So um, yeah, the, the SVG summit was funny because I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get like super nerdy with SVG animations and do like bare metal ES6 thing." And then I realized after it, like, I think that might have been too nerdy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like, like even at the end, Chris was like, "Was like, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't like write all this stuff from scratch. You'd probably just use a plugin." And I was like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, I think that there's some stuff that I do like I, with SVG that is really helpful for other people to see. And then there's some other things that I do with SVG that like nobody else is ever going to do. So it's probably not the level, like the level of abstraction that people need. Like what, 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 like what things were like, do you want, do you think people would not do? Well, I wrote like the easing functions in like a physics equation and then like used those to move the, some of the balls around. And then I was like making prototypes out of the 
you know, SVG balls I was making and like reusing them. I think the use case for that is like probably small, like only like people who want to do creative coding projects or something like people who want to animate SVG for the web Mm -hmm. um, for, you know, their websites are probably going to take something from Illustrator, Mm -hmm. bring it in and like move it around, which is what I usually talk about. I was just getting like uh, into like nerdy nerdy land so <laughs> which is a fun place to visit but maybe not the most useful place to visit either yeah, okay. cool. yeah it's it, well it's good that you can actually like go down the, in the details and, and do that so like it's it's awesome we can just know that know it cold it's pretty awesome yeah. yeah it does it does help if you ever run into a problem i've noticed like there's not really a problem you can't get out of if you understand what's happening under the hood mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's I don't want to like uh, get caught, get you caught up in this trap. But I just feel like that's sort of the problem I, I see a lot when programmers uh, uh, pour hate juice over CSS. I feel like that was uh, because uh, there's like, oh, it's it's you know it's global and you know all this. I was just like, well, do you know how to write CSS? I, like, I, like it's like it's not modular. Like, well, yeah, I guess you. I yeah, it can I feel be. like. Having worked with both sides, I see the benefit of both sides. Like I like uh, both ways. I've definitely seen people not un- like circumvent understanding the cascade and how it can be helpful mm-hmm. in order to write more modular components. I think modular components are awesome. Like never having to name things. I'm so <laughs> bad at naming. Um, that's great. I really like like encapsulating something that's super specific. That's really awesome. But inheritance and the cascade is your friend like especially because design has to be cohesive um and i think there are definitely people who write css and js with those kind of solutions like they write like a typographic object that can be extended Hmm. through their whole thing and they're not rewriting it but like if you don't already understand that it should be organized like that and you're a junior dev who's like oh now i can write css without thinking like that's when things can get kind of, mm, you know, and it, it goes the other way too. Like, you know, people, CSS and JS people will say, oh, well, like, uh, you know, a junior dev can come in and break a bunch of things for a bunch of different projects now, you know, and that's true too. So I think the real, tr- the real issue is like not understanding that CSS is a thing, like it's a system. It's a thing that you need to pay attention to. It's not just like, um, you know, I, I'm very organized about my JavaScript. I'm also organized about my CSS. I don't, like, let let one get all over the place. Like, each one is, is thought about. Right. Um, so as long, I think as long as people kind of have maintenance as right. their core idea, like, what not what's easier to write. Like, certainly it's easier to write a module. Mm-hmm. But, like, is it easier to maintain that module? Like, do you, do you have to go back into every single module and update the line height if the design changes in two years? Like, that is a maintenance nightmare yeah. that CSS already figured out. <laughs> you know? um, and, like, yeah, I was talking to Dave Rupert the other day about, like, about the same same topic. I was just like, you know, they've, they've it's already been hashed whether CSS should cascade or not, like, when they were writing spec, you know. And so, you know, uh, you know, it's... Whether, you know, I think that we've had the discussions and it seems like, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, so one of, one of the points was, was talked about was just like, we keep on having the same talks over and over again in our industry about like, you know, just, you know, lessons learned and lessons forgotten. 
and we have to keep on relearning them. And so, um, and the education is so fragmented because things change so fast, right? And it's just, yeah. it's it's really hard to keep up with with everything. And and having been in like bo- I'm in both communities, kind of like I'm in the React community and I'm in the like CSS community and I'm in the Vue community, seeing them people not yell at each other without really learning from each other is what like kind of bugs me because it's like we're all trying to solve the same problems and both have things to offer and we'd learn better if we learned from each other instead of like right now it seems very like you're on one side or the other which doesn't seem like it's going to help like people get better and like learn what you know there are good things about the style style sheets and cascades that like certainly CSS and JS can learn from. There are certain things about modularization and when to use that properly and, you know, all of those things that, you know, that uh, style sheets can learn from. So when we fall into these camps, what I worry about is, yeah, we start to reinvent the wheel, but we don't even know we're reinventing the wheel because we're not talking to each other. We've just, like, Mm -hmm. made this, like, big wall between us. Um, Or at least that's what I'm seeing happen a lot um and the other thing that's interesting is both sides seems to think the other side is a junior developer <laughs> that's awesome like that's a like great. css and js are like you haven't evolved like the style sheet people haven't evolved they're junior developers and then the the style sheet people are like people who use css and js don't understand css well enough they're junior developers and i'm like well both can't be true yeah. <laughs> i think Probably your different kinds of developers who maybe want to talk to each other. I'm like, can't we all just get along? <laughs> right. Yeah, um, yeah. It's yeah. There's like this. Uh, there isn't the uh, mutual uh, admiration society going on. It's it's kind of a you know that this walled walled garden. I guess good way of saying it. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then and then that I think that also just compounds the problem more and kind of goes back to the education problem because. Um, you know, then you have this issue of, you know, you know, onboarding with education, you know, there's a lot more, you know, I went to, I went to grad school, I got my master's in interactive communications and, uh, and (laughs) that program no longer exists. Uh, it's because, you know, the college communications, uh, it's, I guess it folded over into college information, but, uh. But, you know, there's no vocational, like, there's no institutional education. There's, like, you know, places like General Assembly, the Iron Yard, and so these kind of boot campish. ish Hopefully no one yells at me for saying that. But, uh, you know, type of places where, like, you go and learn for three or, X, you know, six months or whatever to learn. And so you get these people, like, focused on learning their their areas. And, and hopefully they, you know, there's mutual respect for other CSS and JavaScript and all this with it, but also there's like zero time, you know, it's all like, it's all compact time. And then also if someone is, you know, focused on JavaScript a lot more, maybe they won't know that there's other avenues another uh, other approaches. You know, there's, there's one thing that I like about the web is like, there's like a dozen ways to skin a cat, you know, is what the, you know, the expression goes like, you, you can solve any problem a uh, thousands of ways, you know, it's, you know, how you solve it shows you, you know, what, you know, your level, your skill set level, right? In terms of. Yeah. And I guess 
I guess that's part of the other problem is that the web is such a big tent and then we try to find these solutions that are one size fits all and that just does not work. Like I've worked for companies that are agencies that had 60 clients. I've worked for one big giant app thing. I've worked for tiny little startups and like their solutions are different because they have to be different. And people have this like mentality of like, oh, well, it's good enough for Facebook or it's good enough for Google. It's good enough for me. Like, like you're not Facebook or Google. <laughs> like that's like very rarely are those things going to work the same. Also, like, I don't know, some of those big sites, like their style sheets are crazy. Like they're just like, I don't think I don't like look up to some of these places for their design or their ability to, you know, keep design organized. Um, so, yeah, I think that that kind of thinking is really limiting, especially when we start to talk about like, oh, you know, native, like everything has to have a native app. And I'm like, how many native apps do you use on your phone? If it's just if the answer is Twitter and Facebook, that's it. That's not you like that. And, you know, studies show that like people really only use those apps. They don't use any other apps, really. They download an app or whatever. But the daily active users for Facebook and Twitter are like really high. And then everybody else is like super low, if ever. Um, so, yeah, I think we like kind of lost our critical thinking along the way sometimes um, in terms of what's right for our companies and what's right for the thing we're working on or what, or even understanding that there's just nuance, like what's okay for that person might be, not be okay for these people. And like, um, uh, hiring different skill sets. Like we're just like, Oh, everyone has to be the same kind of developer. Let's get a bunch of like full stacky developers here and they'll all know like how to work with PHP or something. And you're like, no, wait, there's a lot of other parts of the stack that we need to be taking care of. Don't just hire one type of person. Um, that's a really long rant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was, a, that was a very short rant. I think I've, I've heard longer. Like pretty, not, not, not to demean your rant. I think that was a good rant. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that, that's like one person said, like, uh, like copying other people is like, like, so hey, Facebook does it. Well, it's like, so you're going to be the second person <laughs> you're going to be the second facebook is that and that's not uh, that's not where you want to go right it's like oh yeah, i guess i guess you're right so yeah that's that's one of the things i like about the the ux there's just, just like just you know I, I like the ux industry in terms of, of what it's doing um um but i but my weakness is that uh you know i just feel like i've come from the beginning like of the web and so i've just been this generalist in terms of the web and then I've seen it grow into specialists, right? Where like you have people who just focus on one thing and then they were for integrate. And now I just feel like, wow, it's going hyper, you know, crazy. Like it's almost feel like it's like micro specialists in a way. And so I just, I don't know how that handles. I'm sure other industries understand this and or have solved it, but I haven't looked into it. But it's just like, I just, I don't know where we go when we go from generalist to specialist to micro specialist. Yeah, I guess, I guess like you and I are of the same generation and I feel like uh, that's true of me too. Like I was talking to Leah Veru the other day about how we both started when the web was, if you were a web designer or web developer, they didn't even have the term web developer then. If you were a web designer, you made everything. It was understood that you were going to design it, you were going to build it, you were going to deploy it, you were going to deal with anything 
weird stuff that was in PHP my admin because that's where all everything lived in those days. Yeah. And you know that you, you know you opened up fi- FileZilla <laughs> to <laughs> deploy. Like it was really you. One person did everything, and then it slowly started to splinter out. And I think you know all of us kind of start became generalists just because we were there for the initial fracture and kind of learned along the way. I don't think if I started now, there'd be any way I'd be able to like know the things that I've kind of been like been able to like learn slowly over the years as they were fracturing. But now people don't even believe that I do both. Like they're like, Oh, well, no, you can't possibly, you know, if you, you if you develop this, you can't possibly have been the designer. It's like when I was coming up or whatever you want to call it, there was no option like I couldn't have just been like no I just want to be the designer for this they'd be like well we'll go find somebody else um uh so I I think it's kind of it is kind of interesting to see these things fracture like that and fracture into such minute ways like even if you're like a javascript developer you could be like an angular developer a react developer like you only work with wordpress sites or you only you know and uh you know, like I don't blame people because it's just a giant, it's a giant landscape. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy. And so, and then um, my only like personal way I could describe it is as as it being weird was like um, I had a job. I was a uh, an editor at my local newspaper before I was twenty one, and um, but then I had like high school journalism experience, uh, you know, and I was the graphic editor for my high school newspaper. And also the, my teacher, uh, high school journalism teacher, like she made sure we all, everyone did write stories, edit other people's stories, you know, you know, you know, you know, get your notebook out right. You know, get, get your quotations, do photography if you need to. Um, and so that, so, so basically we came up like we could do everything. And so when I was an editor, I was like, Oh, I need to make a, uh, make an illustration for this thing I'm making. And so I sketch in. So they have this like, Oh, here's this form. I was like, okay, what do I do with this form? It's like, well, put out what you want. Like, like, okay. And then, uh, and then turn it into the art department and you'll get it, you get your art in, in a week. I was like, well, I got Photoshop at home uh, or something like that, or I could yeah, this computer. So I just stood there for like an hour, like just, kind of mocking up what I wanted. And I was just like, and I showed it to the art department. I was like, Hey, how's this? And like, I got reamed <laughs> like for two seconds. Like, no, you can't do that because that's the art department's job. I was like, it's like, yeah, but I could totally do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, I left that conversation just like so confused. Like, well, no, I don't get it. And so, but, uh, but, but that's like, where like, there's just, uh, different lines drawn in terms of of specialists like you know and um, and that was like her like well, you know I can be a journalist and, and actually do the, do other things but yeah there's like this kind of like enforced walls now like this kind of garden in terms of you can't you can't go over and do that sort of thing but my concern is like not is people not you know being a specialist but at least knowing being realizing a general how to of how other things work together. And that's cool. That's great. But what I don't want to see is people working on their special, special, you know, special skill sets, but not knowing how things work together. You know. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I think I do think it makes it harder to cooperate that way. I think I've actually been hired at a couple jobs because I could do both, and I was hired 
sort of like not that they didn't say this out loud, but it became very clear to me that my job was to be the interpreter between those two worlds, like to be the liaison between the design and the development department. So, you know, in the front end, so so that they could actually cooperate, (laughs) because a lot of times they would, you know, one place would ask for one thing and the other side would be like, you're being unreasonable. And they needed somebody to kind of be like, well, it's a little unreasonable because this doesn't work like that. But if you changed it like this, that would also solve your design need. You know, like sometimes you need like and I, I think that all of those designers and all of those developers totally could understand each other, but they didn't really want to understand. Right what the other one was doing enough like you know uh it go you don't have designer it's not like i'm not saying designers should code or coders should design or any of those things but having a little bit of appreciation for not like not just throwing it over the wall is pretty helpful and it makes you work a lot faster because you can kind of adjust and you know you then you know the things that you're like i'm sorry i just can't you know change this this is like really important but if you are able to cooperate, like mo- most of the time, if you if like ninety percent of the time you're adjusting to help each other, then the one or two times you're like, I'm sorry, this just can't move. Yeah. Then the person respects, you know, they trust you that okay, that's you know a thing that can't move. Like, mm-hmm. um, unlike just handing an entire design over and being like, you make it work, <laughs> which which happens sometimes. But I think it's also like really super exciting that it's gotten so big because there's just I think it's gotten so big because there's so many possibilities like it just it didn't used to have so many possibilities we were really like really defined by like it had to work in IE5 like, <laughs> you couldn't do anything right. so so um, now we have mixed blend modes and we have yeah. like shapes and we have different layouts and we have you know uh, different ways of managing state and we have ways of like you know working with the data layer and like all of this stuff makes it intrinsically just like the web is just like so much more interesting mm-hmm. um, because of all of that stuff so that that complexity comes with it like the coolest parts of our jobs I think so, talk about browsers is that uh, you know I remember a time when uh, we could actually put browsers on a floppy disk and that was okay and now browsers are doing this you know, you, you know good luck you know try to put on a, <laughs> on a floppy disk but it was just like i feel like there's a lot of things that uh that are being baked into the browser that uh you know we're asking our websites to reach beyond uh borders into uh across like which it's always been about the web about browsers but like we're still dealing with uh people with I guess I guess what I try to say is like now we have to deal with. We rephrase that again. Where we still one of the main focuses is that mobile is taking over desktop viewing, and that we still have to deal with uh, cell phone cellular data as an issue with that. And so, as awesome as our desktop browsers are, how awesome are these browsers on their cell phones going to be? And no matter how awesome our desktop browsers are. You know, we're still trying to deliver websites to places that uh, are have trouble reception, and it doesn't have to be like some far off, like like you know, K two Mountain. It could be just be like somewhere where a cell phone tower in you know Austin, Texas, is, it does just dies, right? And so I just feel like, uh, you know, how are the browsers helping by being 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 so? You know, that, that's kind of my issue with that. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally get that. I think that's why I get so excited about SVG because it like solves all of those things at once. It's like, oh, I don't have to cut up multiple image types. It can be super small. Yeah. I can design for performance and it can be like engaging and I can manipulate it and it can be accessible. It's like it hits all the parts of my brain that <laughs> the performance focused piece is. And so I think that for me is why it's become like one of the most like interesting parts of the web for me because I, I feel like I was waiting for SVG support for a while. Coming oh my up. gosh. Like, I am so sorry you waited so long. <laughs> I actually have like I had I finally took it down. I had an article on my site from six years ago where I taught people how to stack icon fonts on top of each other to make like basically like I was teaching people to like use Fontographer five to take the different shapes in, you know, because basically a font has those glyphs. Right. And if you rewrite the glyphs as pieces of an image, then you can stack them on top of each other and I made these like crazy squids and things like that out of them. But like, I, you know, and then like it, that, that post kept getting, I think it was just indexed, you know, it just gets indexed sometimes and it was still getting traffic. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta get rid of this thing. <laughs> Cause it's not, it was, that was just like my crazy workaround for before SVG actually worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel bad but for taking, I, I totally understand. Like, I think I have a hack for a blog post about, Getting alpha transparency into like an old IE, work. <laughs> yeah, just like it's still up there. It sort of doesn't really work very well. But uh, if you still care about IE six or seven, that's great. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually, I, I actually would, would like. I think like to be super neck neck beardy. I did not believe CSS was going to be a thing. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I was not formally convinced until someone showed me that I didn't have to make a one pixel column oh, nice. to make a border. Uh, you know how you, we used to have to like make borders by making like one pixel columns. And if you got it wrong, like the whole, this whole area would get black or something. Like that. Oh man. Um, That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so somebody showed me how, how to do that in CSS. And I was like, I was totally like, yeah, right. We're yeah. still going to be writing tables forever. Yeah. <laughs> they showed me this and I was like, Oh, <laughs> I oh, get it now. <laughs> oh man! Well, I was, uh, I was, uh, I, uh, I interned for, for David Siegel, and then I started working for him in uh, San Francisco for a while. And um, Todd Farner, who uh, he did, he's not in the web community anymore, but uh, but yeah, so I was, I was there firsthand watching like style sheets because David Siegel, uh, who created, uh, who wrote. Uh, creating killer websites back in the day and uh, everything he was like you know he really wanted so i was in the studio that like a lot of the smart uh, a few of the smart people were just really pushing style sheets so i was like i was right there watching it but i was also in the studio that promoted html table layouts <laughs> design so it was kind of this weird dichotomy going on but uh but i remember like there's one trick that you think about one pixel borders was that uh, you would have your content and you would nest you put it, wrap it around the table Right, and then you would uh, wrap that inside a table, and then you put a padding of one percent or one pixel in the I think in the in the table inside of it, and then you set the background color for the table, oh. and then that way you get like a one pixel table without nice. having to like without having to do the one yeah one yeah. yeah yeah that's smart yeah see eight nine years ago Sarah is very impressed. <laughs> 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 so there you go. 
So the fact I haven't thought about that in like a long time. But yeah, so yeah. I was like, God, it's more than eight years, huh? It's like 10, 11. Like 20 years. Okay. I should, I should stop talking. <laughs> uh, 20, uh, zero, two years ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was just a little, I, that was a minute ago. That was, <laughs> it was like, it was like <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah so. But yeah, so but you're talking about the importance of SVG and uh, how it solves a lot of problems. That's one thing that's, I feel like this is, this is uh, one of my, I, you know, we have uh, if then this else, you know, to like trigger things based off like RSS feeds and everything like that. This probably can't be done, and I probably should do it. Is that I would like to have if then this else trigger when certain features I'm interested in the browser, like to, can I use, reaches like eighty to ninety percent, and then I could just say like, hey, whenever this happens, let Christopher know that we don't we don't long we no longer have to worry about this problem because most <laughs> of the browsers because every then once in a while like I was trying to solve this problem. And uh, Unicode wasn't really well supported in browsers. And then I was showing this in like time passes. I was showing it to like a, a, a top 500 company, like web team. I was like, they said like, why don't you just use Unicode character? I was like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess browsers do that now. Okay. So that's cool. <laughs> I was like, God oh, dang it. I wish I knew about that. I, I have a feature that's like sitting on my site waiting. Cause there's like, um, in form elements, you can make it so that if it like, uh, if it's not valid HTML, but like you can do like like is required kind of thing for yeah. HTML5 and form elements. And there's a bug in Safari that will let you still submit a form even if they're not valid. Yeah. And it's like so close to being passed. And I redid my site recently, and I was like, it's so close. I'm just gonna like leave it, yeah. and someone can submit a form if it's not blank in Safari, and like. Uh, but I made this like cool bursty like effect when you click the submit button and someone tweeted about it. And so then I go, <laughs> I'm like, nobody's gonna, nobody's going to fill this form out and then click the button. And then like, I got like 500 like, <laughs> like blank form submissions. I was like, damn you Safari. Damn you Sarah for not writing the appropriate hack. Like it, I did it. I did it to myself. Uh, I know. I was like, it's months away. It'll be fine. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And that, that, that you always hear like every once in a while, like at uh, uh, presentations, like just write future code. And then once the browser gets it, it'll just turn on automatically. <laughs> and like, yeah, and then you get 500 blank emails. <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other side of that is being like me. I totally was just like, this will this will be okay. Like it's my site, you know. I'm I, I'm a little more cavalier with my own site than I am for right. like production sites and stuff because I'm just like whatever. Like I'm the client. I'm a pretty laissez-faire client. So <laughs> and then I was like, damn it, pass Sarah. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, so I think I saw a, a tweet uh, that you. Redid your site while you were sick. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I had the flu. <laughs> yeah, the, so so you update your site when you had the flu. Is that is that is that the type like of person I, you are? It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be on my gravestone. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a very particular kind of person that will work like 18 hours on something that doesn't matter, and then look at an orange and be like, nope, too much work. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> uh yeah i well i always have client work and i and talks and like i schedule my time so that i have it's filled with things right. um 
but when I got sick, I, I couldn't work on anything real. And I just figured like, oh, like I was just kind of like hacking away while I was watching Jessica Jones. Yep. I got really into Jessica Jones. I had the plague though. I went to Chuck E. Cheese with my stepkids yep. and like two, literally two days later was just like flattened for like a week and a half, could not move. Um, so I, yeah, I guess I was just like poking at it until I finally had a site. Like it, I just kept pushing things together and stuff. So it's not like the the best job I've ever done, but I also also have had that the site before it I had had up for six years or something, and I kept saying to myself like, oh, I should do this. But it's kind of like the cobbler's children have no shoes. All like right. if you make sites for a living, the last thing you want to do on the weekend is like make your own website. Right. So. So yeah, I made it. It had bugs. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to talk about like, um, so what? As as your own client, how what did you? And with the flu, uh, what were your kind of goals with the redesign? Well, I think actually, if you look at okay, so for the people listening, my the URL is sarahdrasnerdesign.com. Mm-hmm. I think you can kind of tell I was sick when I made it. It's like a little <laughs> trippy. Yeah. It's like a little like maybe she was having an out of body experience or <laughs> um, fever dream of some sort. Fever, it's like Moana in here. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was kind of like it was really fun to build. I guess that was part of it was that I felt like my last site I, tr- I had tried to make it very professional, mm-hmm. um, but it had the content had outgrown the amount of space the way that I had it organized. Um, I also had done these like things that I never would keep up kind of thing, like a project area where I'd have a post for every project I worked on. But like I make a lot of stuff. So like that section just got old real fast and I never really wanted to keep it up. Um, So instead of that, I just have a link to my code pen. Um, So because it's like if you want to see what I'm working on, it's probably over there. Um, So... Yeah, I just kind of cleaned it up and made it a little less. I took out a lot of features. Okay. I just kind of uh, streamlined it, but then went a little nuts on the design because I was just like, let's SVG this up. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole thing is just a lot of SVGs and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I also want to talk about just the uh, the artwork there on the splash area, I guess, on the uh, above the fold, if we are, or if we're allowed to talk about above the fold this, this quarter. I. Uh, I'm gonna allow it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like every other like year we could talk about about the fold. It's like you're the rabbit. Like, oh, is this year yeah. we talk about both the fold? Okay, good. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, can you talk about like the the sphere the spheroids? It reminds me. I don't know if you remember Kai Power Tools at all. Do you remember those at all? No. Kai Power Tools. Power... No, I don't know that one. Yeah, he used to have like um, uh, it used to be this. Uh, I'll put a link to the show notes, but it was just to be this app where like it would just make these cool sphere, spheres, and um, maybe I have the wrong name. Maybe it was a different app, but anyway. So it was just yeah. Can you tell me how you made uh, this illustration? Because I'm really curious as to how oh, these spheres. Well, some of them, some some pieces of this I purchased, oh, okay. um, and and then I kind of like put them together and designed them together and mm-hmm. spent a lot of time working with the colors and the fonts. That was probably the stuff that um, I worked. I think like just like moving things around until they made sense. Okay. Um, but I'm not adverse to buying, you know, graphics for for things. No, right, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then just like trying to make sure that um, 
there were some playful bits and then it, but people could still read it and, right. and things. Well, I think it's a great job. Cause I feel like I like the color scheme. I feel like it's, it's bold, uh, but not too flashy. And, um, and it's a very unique, uh, design approach. I, I like that a lot. So, and, uh, so I was just kind of curious as to how you did it. So sorry if I put yeah. you on the spot there about that. Oh no, no, that's, that's fine. I mean, it's, it's, it was really fun to do. And then I think also I had my main goal in redoing it was to, um, work on the performance. My old site had pretty good performance, but I, I felt like it could be better. Um, and so I gave myself a performance budget of, um, loading under two seconds on a throttled connection on an iPhone, like an older iPhone or like a old Android. Um, and I made it under my performance budget. So I was pretty happy about that. Like I had a friend who's like in a country where he has really bad Wi-Fi loaded up on his phone and it loaded in under two seconds. And I was like, yes. Nice. Um, that, that was a big one for me. And also just to show, I guess part of the reason I want to do it like this is to show that you can have like really kind of crazy SVG graphics and because they're, they're typically pretty small, um, if you design them well or work with them well and optimize them well, um, it won't, it's like good for performance. Cool. And why, why a, um, performance budget of two seconds? Um, all the literature I read said that that's like where people's intention starts to drop off. That's like up until two seconds that people don't seem to mind. Mm. But, um, Amazon and Walmart both did studies that showed that past two seconds, you start to see, um, things that drop off. I think there are other studies like Google did one where it was three seconds, but, uh, might as well do two. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then is this a, a, a typeface that? Is it like a Google typeface? I, I, should, I should probably inspect it and see where. No, it's not. It's a uh, well. The um the, the body the body text is I but the heading is through. Mm, I might have bought it on Creative Market or Font Squirrel. Okay. I can't remember. I like buy fonts randomly, so now I don't. Yeah know which one it is but i think it's a font that i purchased for like not a lot of money like five dollars or something okay cool awesome yeah i I think i probably spent the longest on that (laughs) yeah well type is like uh it's can uh so important because it's just like if you have a color and a typeface then you have a logo but if you get the wrong typeface then you're like screwed so you're like you're just just kind of like it's so i I could see like making, making the right choice to get the right Type, type yeah totally and even if you find a few graphics that work you work making them all work together in a way that mm-hmm. looks cohesive like the that top graphic is not was not one graphic i bought but like seven or eight that i just mm-hmm. kind of could reconfigured and moved around and changed colors and right. things like that until it all worked together so yeah that's like that's like a uh the one of the lessons like early lessons i learned as a designer was like like, you know, I was, I was, I went to design school and I was like, and for the first year or so, I was just like, why am I doing creating work for classes, you know, learning like nothing was working, uh, in terms of, you know, I would turn things in, you know, I like, you know, the ideas would be okay, but the visuals just would not be clicking. It wasn't until I realized like everything needs to, uh, resonate with each other. Yeah. And, I think that's like a painful thing that I've gone through too. I have like a thousand code pens that are private Hmm. because 
a lot of them didn't work because I would like take one thing that worked and another thing that worked and another thing that worked and then put them together and they were just terrible. And then I just like try to keep making them work or like maybe they work together, but like the animation sucked or something. So like, I, you know, I have a lot of stuff out there, but it's only a portion of the stuff that I actually make. I make a lot of mistakes and weird, weird, like broken turtles and things like that. Well, I think it's it's also good for for people who are listening, who like, uh, like look up to you, like to say like, uh, it's it's also an important lesson to know, like, you know, you you know, one for the book, right? You spend this the amount of time you spent writing the book is like if compared to like if you actually just typed out the book, is just a lot more, right? It's just like you spend a, this like just tip of the iceberg in terms of in terms of what actually like goes into the book is is published, you know. But also the fact that the stuff that you actually publish yourself, you know, with writings for CSS tricks or Smashing Mag, you know, like there's like like you said, like I mean, thousands of copins, you know. That's just a lot of time and effort that you know, no one's going to see, but there's a yeah. lot. Yeah. I mean, you have to like, I think that, uh, I think that that's the dangerous part about like ever, um, comparing yourself to somebody else is you only see the things that they're actually putting out in the world. And yeah. if, if somebody is making something that you think is super slick, chances are that wasn't their first attempt. Yeah. Oh, I'll, at least I'll speak for myself. It's never my first attempt. I always had to make like three things that maybe worked and then refigure this other one and then like try to see if that worked. Or if I make something that did work the first time, it's because I spent, you know, 50 other pens two weeks ago thinking through something and now it just gelled. It was, it's never like I just poop things <laughs> out of my brain. <laughs> I, I never, Sarah does not poop things from her I brain. Do not. I okay. Poop things from my brain. <laughs> all right, all right. I gotta tweet well, this later. I have to. I don't know if that's. <laughs> now I'm wondering if that's true. Not not in the sense of making stuff, but you know. <laughs> cool. Well, that, that sort of like I have another question. Is like, how do you keep up to things? Uh, keep keep up to date because that's always a question that always happens in summits, uh, conferences uh, that we do. So it's just like, how do you keep up to date? And. Uh, and I think one of the things is like you, you work hard, you know, I think that's like with all these, like the co-pins that you did and the work that you don't show people, but also it's just like, there's, when we talked about how uh, our industry changes so much, uh, you know, it's just like, well, how do you personally uh, keep up to date? Yeah, I have a couple things going for me. One is that my parents were really strict and worked really hard. So now I do that just like without them. <laughs> um, so I, I do, I have a really strong work ethic, I think. Um, but um, keeping up to date, some of that's just curiosity. I'm just like a really curious person. So I'm always poking around with something or playing around with something like, even just like on the weekend, sometimes I'll be like, oh, someone released that thing. I wonder how that works and spend a few hours just like prodding around with it. You know, I think you actually have to really like working you know to some extent like there's I'm an introvert so you know there are times where like you know and I I do hang out with my friends and do all the normal stuff but sometimes like I'll come home from a party and be like oh I just want to like relax and you know mess up with things and you know build a data visualization (laughs) (laughs) something dumb um and then the well the last piece of that is um to some extent you have to kind of be okay with being wrong sometimes Like, I've published posts that, like, you know, I got it, like, you know, almost the way there. And then someone was like, oh, you didn't think about this one thing. And I have to go change, you know, that that area because I got it a little bit wrong. Because it is really kind of impossible to be right 
100% of the time. And I think that, you know, dudes tend to like not, you know, people in the industry tend to like not ever want to be wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's great. And you do have to double check everything that you say and do. And I definitely do that. I make sure that like I'm rewriting, reading through the specs a million times before I say something. But inevitably, you say something that's not true, or you say something that's half true, or you say something that's like, you didn't figure out the solution for you figured out some piece of it. And just like, going back in and redoing things if if that's not the best approach, and you just had it, you know, just being kind of okay with like, now time to go back and adjust it, you know, okay. <laughs> kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah. And and when you say like you have a work ethic, like 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 what like um, what do you mean by like like so you just you start your day early and just like just make sure you put in like nine to five, or is like what, what do you mean by by that? Uh, more like no, I don't think that I uh, I'm not like a early morning person. I think I like I do tend to like open my phone before I'm fully awake, which is dumb, but that doesn't mean that I'm working. Um, um, uh, I, I would say that I work for clients and for money and stuff. And then I also work for myself. Like I have a list of projects that I just want to see completed. Just not, nobody's paying me. There's no thing that I'm making them for. I just like want to do them. Like, I've always wanted to see what would happen if I, you know, made this type of data visualization happen when you triggered this kind of event. Like I've just always wanted to know that. Uh, um, I have like a really long list of things that I just am experimenting with because I'm a nerd. And uh, <laughs> so, um, and those are actually like, those end up being you know, it used to be that I was a generalist and I would be working at these big companies doing things that had nothing to do with SVG animation or any of that kind of stuff. And I just do the SVG animation kind of stuff on the side. What was interesting to me was that my community, the community was way more interested in the stuff that I was doing as a fun experiment for myself than the like more generalist engineering, you know, stuff that everybody does normally. Like if I write an article about like, how to refactor JavaScript that usually doesn't get as much hits as something like how to, you know, make a logo Easter egg, <laughs> you know? Uh, so yeah, I, I found that kind of interesting, but I think I talked to like a friend of mine, um, James Kyle, who uh, used to work at Facebook and is now switching to, I think, think mill or something. Um, and he was like, well, it's just something that other people aren't talking about. Like that's, you know, it's a little bit more unique than um, yeah. some of the other things that maybe have a ton of posts or something like that. Yeah, I think that's like, like trying to find your your voice, I guess, if, that, if that's the way of saying it, I guess. Trying to find anything that's unique to you. That's, that's important. So, yeah, cool. I think that's pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, I, think, I think that's about it. I think that's a good thing. Um, but I do want to mention the book one more time. So I think I found the book to be, you know, and you mentioned it earlier, like, SVG animations book, it seemed like here are all the paths you could take to solve your animation problem. So, so, and I felt like it was that a fair assessment of the, of the book in terms of. Yeah. I, I think that what I, I have read other S like not SVG animation books, but animation books. And, um, uh, what I found was that they typically deep dived into one technology and one approach, which is totally cool because then you can really do a deep dive 
Um, but what I was kind of striving to do was to make sure that you had a few options, because I think that there are a lot of ways to animate an SVG, and there are good reasons for each one of them. Like React Motion has a really, really good use case. It's not the same use case as GreenSock. And GreenSock has a really good use case, but not the same as Mo.js. So like going through some of those, and I do spend more time on GreenSock than the other ones because I think GreenSock tends to have you covered in, like, I'll put it this way. There are, there are things that you can do in the other technologies that GreenSock can also do, but there are very, very few things that you can do in GreenSock that other things can't. Wait, did I say that right? Mm. It GreenSock gives you more coverage. Right. Like it, you know, if I was gonna pick one and only one that I could ever work with, it probably would be that one just because I I'll never be stuck. Like there'll never be something where I'm like, damn it, I can't do that one thing. Can I say damn it here? Sure, why not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are there a lot of like five year olds watching this <laughs> this podcast? You just do a uh, dang it. I think that's okay. Yeah, okay. Or darn it. Dang dang damn it. <laughs> You're in Austin. <laughs> dang, dang it. <laughs> it's going to air in Austin. I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we had Greensock uh, for SVG Summit, I think twice twice now. And uh, uh, it's just, it blows me away. But like, also, I've, like, I think reading your book, I think I found out that like they were actually like for Flash originally. And then they like they moved over to uh, to uh, to be to be i'm not sure they're it's an svg helper per se but like it helps out svg so much and the power like every time they, they do a presentation with with green sock i was just blown away by it. they've thought about a lot of things that other people haven't thought about like, yeah yeah uh, you mentioned that in your book the spec you know like the svg origin for fixing the spec like when they're stacked mm. uh uh well actually that one's smooth origin sorry when uh there's like stacking transforms that uh it fixes Basically, they know they know from working with it, like the problems that animators come across, and then they fix those. Which I think that browsers are not so interested in. You know, browsers are like, "Well, we just wrote it this way." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, too bad for you. Yeah. Um, or like, maybe we care about you a little, but we care way more about a bunch of other things that you know have a wider spread or something like that. Right. So. Um, it's, it's just a really good tool. Yeah. It's awesome. Cool. Yeah. So I found this, I found, I found it a really helpful tool for someone like me trying to, who doesn't do a lot of animation, but like would, you know, will come across a need for animation and just needs to get a good, uh, lay of the land, if you will, of the, of the, you know, just figure out what the landscape is in terms of what I can and can't do. Like if, do I need green stock at all? Can I just use CSS just to solve it? And, and, and to your credit, you actually have like a whole you know, whole section just devoted to like what CSS can do and pros and cons. I like that was that was a that was really great. I really got a lot of that that section. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, cool. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for being on the show. Uh, definitely, uh, if anyone's interested in SVG animations, recommend you guys pick up the book. It's at O'Reilly and um, and uh, O'Reilly dot com. I think is is what it is, uh, which I should have known because I've been a writer since forever. <laughs> but uh but yeah, so how can people find you on the internet yeah um uh probably the best is twitter um sarah underscore edo um that's where i am most of the time for the work that i'm actively doing it's either on codepen or github so codepen and github both have the username estras at s-d-r-a-s 
Um, uh, yeah, and that book just came out. Definitely come to um, me and Val's workshops because Val is the coolest person ever and I get to hang out with her. So you get to hang out with me being excited to be around Val. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we teach you all, all sorts of stuff um, in a two-day or a one-day class. So yeah. yeah. So where are is your workshop going to be? Just in case, like, what cities? Oh, yeah. Um, first, we're coming to Toronto. So the Toronto's one, one's in June. I think there's only one uh, early bird ticket left. So definitely go grab that before it's gone. And Toronto's um, a great city, too. So Yeah, yeah. Toronto's going to be awesome. And that's in June. We're not coming back to Canada anytime soon. So that's, like, your shot there. Um, and then we've got Denver, Portland. We're going to give one at CSS DevConf with Chris um, in October in NOLA. Um, and that's going to be super fun. I'm really looking forward to that. And we also have one in Paris. Oh, nice. Paris is going to be fantastic. Yeah. And if you're in the UK, uh, go to the Paris one because we can't go to the UK because of, uh, you know, restrictions for the visas and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Got that. Cool. Awesome. Well, <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been fun.